0: I love watching how God works through the song service, through every part of the day. And I would suggest to you that what's been going on in the past week that possibly you just thought of, or in the past month, God works all those things out for his purposes and hopefully to bring us to a place where we can look into his word today and be encouraged. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Acts today, the history book of the New Testament, as we still sit today in a church gathering, a group of called out ones that have come to worship God, learn from his word, fellowship with one another, and hopefully be stirred up so that we can express God's love to those that are around us. Specifically today, we're going to look at two encounters in Acts 16, and my prayer is that if you know, this is what God has laid on my heart just in the past couple days, and in particular this morning. If you know the grace and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be stirred from our time. From these two uh, narratives that we see, if you have at one time in your life known that, known God, known His forgiveness, that you would be stirred today, And as I looked at it, and I thought, well, we're just going through a couple more instances in the history of the church, I thought, well, very possibly this could be the day that someone gives their life to Jesus Christ. As we look at a woman who did that, as we look at another young girl who we do not know if she did that or not, but possibly had the opportunity to. And it is my prayer that you would be stirred up. I'd like to continue that right now. Would you bow with me? Father, I would pray that you would do something very sweet and special during this time. As we come at a time like this, oftentimes with more questions than answers, we praise you for the beautiful Word of God that you have given us. Thank you for the history, the stories that we can learn from and be encouraged by. I do appreciate the fact that we can be studious, we can take in wonderful knowledge And it would not be my desire that we would separate that from emotion. Father, you've made us emotional people. You've given us situations in life, possibly a history, possibly something that someone is facing today. And I think it's important for us to not separate those emotions for what what we are going to face in God's word. Would you please stir up that wonderful, wonderful desire to worship and praise you for those who have turned their life to you? And God, if you are working in someone's heart, that beautiful picture of Jesus Christ knocking on the door, I would pray that today would be the day of someone's salvation, that they would turn to you. We thank you that you are here for this time. We thank you that we can be encouraged by our study. And I would ask, God, that you would allow us to wonderfully understand your word. Help me to be honest with it. I thank you that I can preach, and I'd ask that you'd help me not to get in the way hide me behind the cross of jesus christ i pray these things in the name of jesus amen a couple of questions that i would like to start with today and they are this as we get going what does god want to use in his plan of salvation as god is spreading his message as god uses people to spread the message of the gospel what does he want to use And then another question that goes hand in hand with that, what does God not want to use? Not too long ago, I got a knock on my door, which happens every once in a while, and it was someone that was out trying to recruit people to come to their belief system. I will call it that because I do not think it was a church. And as the individual knocked, I was taken back. I was literally surprised with how similar the message that this group that I am fairly confident is not giving a gospel message, how similar and close to it was as to what I would tell someone else about what they need in salvation in Jesus Christ. I had, my, I had my, uh, my glasses on, if you will, to see for the discrepancy, to find the challenge, and I was hard-pressed. In fact, they took me right, they said, do you have a smartphone? And I said yes, and they took me right to a video that I could play on my smart smartphone of a group that I think is not a church, of a group that I think is, don't miss this, that is anti-Christ. And as they took me to that video, I thought, my goodness, I would think I would show that video in my own church to individuals who I wanted to learn more about Jesus Christ or salvation. They gave me some literature. And I, I take time to talk to these folks Um, I usually see it as, you know, opportunity, opportunity to pray for them or at least a little bit to learn for myself that challenge to see if we are studying to show ourselves approved unto God. And as I went through literature that was given out, I was thankful that I was able to be able to find some discrepancies, some things very quickly that came through. I think with a deep study, with an intense look into something like this, things will come through for those of you who have been around church for a long time. But I want to bring us back to those two initial questions. What does God want to use for his plan of salvation? And what does God not want to use? Now some of you might go really deep on this question and that's fine because we can see throughout the scriptures that God would even use evil kings to bring about his purposes perhaps you've studied some of those stories but for our purposes today how are you going to move forward being obedient to the command that God wants you to be a light in the place where he has put you is this message that I was given on my front porch by these ones who knocked on my door was it a good message or was it a bad message I suggest to you that it takes good discernment oftentimes when we come across a counterfeit of the devil to know that something is false. The takeaway for today, if I can go ahead and give you this, as we look at these two instances, this is what I want you to walk away with. I've already talked about this. The takeaway is for you, if you know Christ, to rejoice in the day when the Lord opens your heart to pay attention to the new life that he offered. I want you to rejoice in that. And I know very well, if you're in the same category as me, that you might not know the day. That's fine. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there needs to be something in your history, in your understanding, where you realize, I am no longer living for myself, but I am living for a new king in my life a time when you realize that it wasn't about you, but it's about something greater than you, and that is Jesus Christ. If you are here and you know that God at one point opened your heart, I'm going to step out here and get you involved, actually. I'm going to ask you to participate in a little while. If you're in this category and you know that God changed your life, I'm going to ask you in a little bit to do something. I won't tell you what it is yet. No No need to be nervous. Unless you like to worry. Some people like to worry. I get that. Go ahead worry a little bit. wonder what I'm going to ask you. Let me give a little bit of review as we, before we jump into our text here. We know that the, it's been, I think, at least five weeks since we've been in Acts. And so uh, a little bit of history here. We understand this is the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. He saw wonderful things happen on the first journey. Was able to give a great report. And now there's a whole new team that is actually assembled for this time. It's a different team that God has put together. And I love this, and I've thought about this multiple times, even today as I was talking with someone, and even over the past few days, of the confidence that this team could have of what God was doing. And there's nothing that can replace this. I mean, I could stop right now and preach the rest of the time on just this little sidebar. The confidence that you can have when you understand what God is doing through your life. And so when something comes up that seems like a roadblock, which it appears that way a few times as we study Acts, and I'll say this, it'll appear that way when you look at your life. Why would God allow this to happen? When you understand that the Holy Spirit is in control and that God knows what he's doing, and then it's for His glory and it's for your good in some way. This is such a sweet place to be. I would suggest to you that it will put a bounce in your step as you walk through life. Don't miss this. to walk with the confidence that God is controlling these things, and God is working these things out. you will walk in such a new way. I was just talking with someone right before the service, and they're going to have opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ, with someone who needs Jesus Christ. And that's how we need to approach that time. You need to approach that time of what's God been doing in the past seven days in this person's life, in the past two months, what has happened that you have no idea of, that God is going to use. This will enable you to walk with incredible confidence, not in your ability, not in your smarts, Not in any of that, but only in what God is doing and lovingly that God works through you in his plan. Well, all that to bring us to our text here in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, we find Europe's first conversion. And it happens at a prayer meeting beside a river. After going through a very quick boat ride they made great time on a boat ride we find our missionary team coming to a new place look with me starting in verse number 11 of Acts 16 so setting sail from troas we made a direct voyage to samothrace and the following day to neapolis and from there to philippi which is a leading city in the district of macedonia and a roman colony we remained in the city some days Now, some of you right away are going to see one name of one city in there, Philippi, and you're going to connect it with something if you have some history with the New Testament. You're going to connect it with the book of Philippians. Let me ask this question before we go any further. I'll test your history here of what we studied so far and what we're going to continue to see. What was the practice of the Apostle Paul when he went into a new city. More specifically, where did Paul almost always go first when he went into a new city? He went into the synagogue. That's where he went. He had already experienced many areas that were heavily Jewish populated areas. And now he comes to a different kind of area. He comes to an area where actually there is no synagogue. Philippi had a very small Jewish population, so few that they did not have a synagogue. By Jewish law, there had to be at least 10 male heads of household in a community before you could have a synagogue. It was the practice, if there was not a synagogue, for people who were followers of Yahweh, even believers, If that was the case and there was no synagogue, it was their practice that they would go to somewhere and meet, quote, under the open sky and near water. This was the practice of individuals. So Paul and his team, they can't find a synagogue, so they go and they try to find a group of believers or at least of people that that were Jews, and they try to find someone worshiping. Now let me give us a little bit of time frame. We've been going through the book of Acts for uh, more than a year now, or more than halfway done. Since the day of Pentecost, when Jesus Christ started that wonderful work, it's been at this point in Acts 16, about 20 years. So 20 years after Pentecost, Paul and Silas and Timothy and Dr. Luke, they find their way down to the river, and they find a gathering of women. And they sit down with these women to discuss. Spiritual matters. And the first convert in Europe was a successful businesswoman named Lydia. Look in verse 13 with me. And on the Sabbath, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Look at this next line. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us, tried to get the tone in that writing there that Luke records, she prevailed upon us. So Lydia was a seeker of God. And that's one of the main takeaways that I want you to grasp today. Grasp today. So hang on to that word. We need to be looking for seekers of God. At this point, she had embraced monotheism, one God, where the majority of the world was polytheistic. Many of them said, you can have your God, but you need to not cancel out all these other gods We would spell those gods with a small g. So she was seeking after the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Lydia was a seller of purple goods, the Bible tells us here, from Thyatira. Thyatira was known for purple materials, purple clothing. Let me give you just a couple um, facts. Maybe you'll find them interesting. Maybe you won't find them interesting. But I thought they were um, pretty interesting to learn about this dye. I understand that they had two kinds of purple dye that came from Thyatira. There was the first kind that was very, very valuable. It was, it was an item that was very, very wanted by rich people, and only rich people could afford it. I was trying to make a connection in my head, and my mind said Prada. I don't really know what Prada is, but some of you ladies do. Um, maybe some of you men do too, but one of the upper, like a Rolex, you know, something that is just a top-tier thing that not everybody can have. And this kind of purple dye was obtained by extracting, being extracted drop by drop from a little self shellfish that was called a murex. And that's how they got this expensive purple dye. And very rich people would have items colored with this dye. Well, just like today, when the elite have something, all of us little peons want to have something as well. There was a second kind of dye. That was there, and it was something that came from a matter root, and it was the commoner's dye. It was similar, but not as expensive. And Lydia, it appears, um, was involved with this trade. I love, as we see in the book of Acts, different themes come out, and even with these uh, couple stories we're going to talk about today, there were about four different directions I could have gone Um, One that I won't go there, but I'll just mention it quickly, is how we see a record of God using, throughout the book of Acts, rich people. Individuals who had incredible wealth, oftentimes, and how God used them for his purposes. Do you understand that God loves an enterprising man? And God loves an enterprising woman? Some of you have a habit of reading through the book of Proverbs throughout the month. If you come across Proverbs 31, you'll find a record there of an enterprising woman. And God is pleased with that. This woman's name is Lydia. And after she is baptized, it seems that this wonderful woman had a tremendous influence on her own household. Different scholars have different opinions about this. Some say, well, there's nothing that guarantees us that anybody was saved necessarily. They might have just got baptized as part of a um, going through a process with her or celebrating with her. Others think, and I tend to agree with them, that she had such an influence on her family. They listened to her, they respected her, that when she came to Jesus Christ, and by the way, she was already seeking. And can't you hear those conversations with her family? There's something, there's something that we need to know. There's something beyond just us. There's something beyond these small gods that are made by man's hands. And she was searching for the true God, and I imagine that she would share that with those who were close to her, with these other women that were down there by the river, and it seems she had great influence with her own out household as they were all baptized. This was the beginning. This was the very beginning of the church in Philippi. So when you read the book of Philippians, that letter written from the Apostle Paul to that church of Philippi, this was the start of it and they met at her house this was a group of believers and God is going to do something very very special to her now I mentioned before that if you are one that is in the category everybody's in one of two categories either you are a follower of Jesus Christ or you are not that's it there's no in between there's no well I'll embrace Jesus Christ as a God and embrace all these other gods as well no you are either you have either given your life to Jesus Christ and you're a follower of him or else you are not. For those of you who have experienced that, for those of you who have a history and you know that you're a follower of Jesus, I want for us just to sing a song. Oh boy, I'm behind on my slides here. Sorry about that. There you go. There's some good stuff on there too. <laughs> if you know Jesus Christ, when we have the word pant in this song, as the deer for the water so my soul longeth after thee that does not come to people who don't know Christ you're not going to long for something you don't genuinely know you might long for fellowship that comes along with being in the body of Christ you might long for some kind of fulfillment in some way but the idea is to long after God and if you know Jesus Christ i want us to sing a couple of these verses we'll sing them a cappella If you know Christ, would you sing this with me? Let's sing. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You alone. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. Sing that with me. Your. We sang in one of the songs earlier that God has saved from the most defiled. I don't think we would define Lydia as one of those that was the most defiled. Now, we can get theological and say, yes, she was completely worthless in God's eyes, completely a sinner, but clearly she had a good reputation. She had influence. When we do think of defiled, in man's opinion, maybe the next individual that we're going to come across is one that would fall in that category. Now we have Paul and the team, and they have some believers, so they continue there, as they always did when a church started, doing some teaching, some preaching, some discipling, and as time goes on, we need to remember something. And by the way, we need to remember this in 2017 at Calvary. Whenever God is doing something, something wonderful and beautiful, the devil is going to make a counterattack. You need to prepare yourself for that. You need to be fully aware that the devil, if nothing's going on that's advancing God's cause or good for God, he's content to let that go on and not get involved. In fact, he might even encourage us in that way. But when we find something going on that makes a difference for eternity, the devil always counterattacks. And we find that here in verses 16 through 24. Look at verse 16 with me. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Let's stop there just for a little bit. I do not go into the Greek too much um, when when we go through these things. I will study that oftentimes, but I don't throw it out there unless I think it's really pertinent. I think it's helpful for us to go a little bit into the Greek word that's being used here, the word pneuma or pinoma that is used in verse number 16, which actually means a spirit of Python, a spirit of Python. I, I always try to be creative with the titles of my messages, and I thought to myself, oh, boy. I could name this sermon Pythons and Shellfish. Wouldn't that be a great sermon title? Pythons and Shellfish. In Greek mythology, Python was a serpent or a dragon who stood guard over a place called Delphi. Much of this time was influenced by Greek mythology. We even know Jesus Christ. It's very possible that when Jesus Christ talked to Peter and he told them, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is very likely that he was referring to a place that in Greek mythology was considered to be the gates of hell. Not true, but Greek mythology had a huge influence. Greek mythology had an influence here where this spirit of Python, this serpent who stood guard over a place called Delphi, that comes into play with this story. Because the great enemy, there's always a big drama in Greek mythology, the great enemy of Delphi was Apollo. And Apollo actually killed this snake, this serpent. And Apollo would go on to turn his home into a place where there would be priestesses, who would live there, and these priestesses were ones that would, don't miss this, they would commune with the dead. And so there were women there who were overcome by a spirit of Python who were able to tell the future. This is Greek mythology. And it's connected to this slave girl, because this girl had become very, very profitable to her owners as many people thought that she had this supernatural power, coming from the spirit of Python. But Paul recognized that it was something else within her. What was that was in her? It was a demon. She was demon-possessed. And as we see that taking place, and we find Paul, um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting, the wording that we find here, because we see that Paul became annoyed. And I take a little bit of comfort in that, because oftentimes we think to ourselves, I need to be, I need to be more patient. I shouldn't be so annoyed. And even the Apostle Paul got annoyed he responds in a very specific way here look at verse number 18 and this she kept doing for many days paul having become greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit i command you in the name of jesus christ to come out of her and it came out at that very hour now there are a few different schools of thought as to why paul reacted in this way to this demon-possessed girl And the reason I say that is because I want you to pay attention to the message that she was giving. As the slave girl is going around following Paul, following these believers, she's shouting out something, and as you read it, doesn't it seem like a good message? Doesn't it seem like something you'd want to say, that's right, that's who we are, followers of God. We declare the way of salvation. That begs the question, why did Paul respond the way he did? There are a few different thoughts as to why Paul reacted in this way. The first thought was, is um, what's common in the church, and when the devil cannot stop something from the outside, it is very common for him to go ahead and infiltrate on the inside. And so very possibly, maybe that was someone's thought. He's trying to destroy the gospel by infiltrating the gospel. Someone else said as they studied this passage here that, the, that um, she was in fact saying these men are proclaiming to you not the way of salvation but a way of salvation. Similar to when people say Jesus Christ is one way to get to God and none of us would say amen to that. We would say he is the what? Only way. And so very possibly that's the idea. The most helpful commentary to me when I looked at the message that she was giving and why Paul so strongly refuted it comes when I find how Jesus Christ actually responded to demons. When Jesus Christ talked to demons who would come and address him as the Son of God, he responded in the same way every single time. Every time Christ was confronted with a demon who said who he was, Jesus would immediately silence the demon And then he ordered them to leave every time. And that's what we find here. In verse 18, he casts it out. Let's pick it up in verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing the city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. And so we find the exorcism of this slave girl, and we find these guys are out a lot of money. And if you're reading this with the same eyes that I did, you're thinking, how cruel and horrible are these people? That this girl is delivered from being demon-possessed? And this is their response might remind you of the story when Jesus cast out the demon into those pigs. And so that man was free. And when that city, or when the people from that city came and saw the man sitting clothed in his right mind, what was their response? Yes, Jesus to leave, right? We want you to go. You're costing us money. Those were our pigs. And now they're gone. How cruel can someone be? We understand how cruel men and women can be. So we find this message. The message seemed to be God's, but it was not. And the girls' masters were now out a lot of money. So look in verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. We'll talk about that jailer next week having received this order he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into stocks so we have two different instances here we have one woman who beautifully comes to saving grace and then we have another girl and we don't have a record if she was saved or not she was delivered from the demon i read through some people who said clearly she got saved I read of others who said we don't have a record that she got saved, so we cannot know. Let me go ahead and give us a couple takeaways from these. These are, I think they're very, very practical. Things that you can apply right in your life. First of all, what can you do? I want to encourage you to establish habits that are going to help you discern between God's truth and the devil's counterfeit. I have already mentioned to us this is very hard to do at times. The devil's no dummy. He's been around for the longest time. He knows how to counterfeit what God has. He's so good at it. And so you need to have disciplines in your life. You need to be regularly, daily, taking in God's Word. It is powerful. And the Holy Spirit teaches us as His children when we take it in. You need to be studying God's Word. You need to be spending time with people who care about God's truth. I don't know how, it might be in this fellowship. It might be in some other way, maybe with your family. You need to be spending good time with other people who have the same values when it comes to God that you have. And then on the other side of that coin, can I encourage you to be having conversations with people who don't? When you're sharing the gospel or someone else has a different belief system, I want to encourage you that it can be very, very challenging. It can can be a sharpening time for you when you talk with other people who have a different belief system. Because when they mention something, there should be a little red flag going up in your spirit. If you are studying God's word, taking it in, they will not let that pass. Something will jump out to you. Established habits that's going to allow you. Um, by the way, these different groups, cults and many others, they love individuals that have grown up in churches. They love them. They can just grab right onto something that they've had a part of their life and tag onto it and very quickly turn someone away from the true faith. The second thing that you need to do, and I talked about seekers earlier, you need to be sensitive to and wanting to find individuals that are seeking for meaning in life. You need to look for seekers. and I'll mention one little illustration and then we'll close. There's been a show On television and I saw previews for it and I was very interested in it. And so uh, Tina and I started to watch that. And it's a show that's exposing Scientology, which they call it a cult, but I'm not even sure if that's an accurate term for it. It's got nothing to do with Jesus Christ or God. Maybe some of you have seen previews for this or have seen this show. But as we were watching this show, there's a a famous actress who basically does the whole show, and she used to be in it for many years, and she's come out of it. And I sat next to Tina, and Tina just said these words, My goodness, she's seeking. She's looking for answers. Look at her. And I think even today, probably, she's still seeking, and she has set her sights on exposing this group, Scientology, for how horrible that it is. But having said that, she's still seeking. Tina said, you know, I, I've been praying for her, for that actress, because she's been seeking. Might someone come along her way? Might God bring someone along her path as she's seeking? And can I go a step further than that? Might God be bringing someone along your path who has been seeking? The ignorance that we have of people's lives, of the pain, of the history Whatever it might be. You have no idea. And that's where I want you to I, I want you to have that bounce in your step. You walk along life with a bounce in your step, having a confidence that the person you're going to run into, God has been preparing them for an encounter with you. So you can show them something real that's in your life. We find one individual that found Jesus Christ. We find the other, I don't know. It seems she had opportunity, this slave girl, right? Doesn't it look that way? And I weep for the individuals that have opportunity. There's no doubt in my mind that people hear the preaching here at Calvary every week that are not followers of Jesus. And I weep that they had the opportunity. And It's not my job to force them. We present the gospel. Jesus Christ came to earth The fallen man, he died on a cross to take the sins of the world on his shoulders. Jesus did this. And people will go and have opportunity after opportunity and will die and enter into eternity without fellowship with God and spend eternity in a lake of fire. And I weep that people will hear this. And I don't know about this slave girl for sure. And I don't know about you for sure either. I don't. I know many of you have given the testimony and I've heard that. Folks who join the church give a testimony of salvation and they're confident and hopefully you can sing that song. I desire to worship God just like the deer pants after the water. We need to be faithful. Maybe God's been preparing you even for this day. Could it be that God is opening your heart to receive the message of eternal life? Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do look to you with an understanding that you have done something so sweet in individuals' lives in the past. And I suspect that, as I mentioned earlier, if you have a history of um, coming to Jesus Christ, if you have a time where you can recall giving your life to him as individuals would seek to sing and worship you, I thank you for that. And God, I would pray for any today, any that might be here that have not done that. Maybe they've been thinking about it, considering it, Maybe they've heard it before. Perhaps their eyes have been just kind of blinded to this and maybe today there's a light bulb going off saying, I understand. And there's something for the time that I have in this world, there's something that is great that I can live for. And that's the one who gave his life for us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I want Anna just to to play through, just a verse of a song. If you're here today, and God's... Presenting you with this gospel message and you want to accept it, I would encourage you to accept it right now. Ask God to forgive you. Maybe you don't know the words to say, just talk to Him. Maybe you're here today and you're about to make an encounter with someone. Pray for them. Pray for someone you might see that you think might need Jesus Christ. Pray for them right now by name. Walk with a bounce in your step that God's preparing them. Amen, amen. Would you stand please as we sing a closing song together?